Hello and welcome back to another episode of Flush. I'm your host, Kiva, and I'm joined here today by Courtney Clifford. Courtney is a coach, an equine therapist, and the founder of The Inner Collective. How are you today, Courtney? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here in person with you. I know, this is so much fun. By the way, I just have to tell you, my little sister in college and my sorority was named Lauren Clifford. Well, is, I mean, she's married now, but whatever is Lauren Clifford. And so I, if I call you Lauren at some point, that's why. <laughs> and that's also why I've been calling you Clifford in my head. Cause I was like, well, it's better if I just get the last name right and don't call her Lauren. Completely so. understand. It's not even that common of a last name. I very I've rarely heard, yeah. meet someone who has my last name. So I like that we have that connection. You're, yeah. You're in good company though. Yeah. Cause she is like the coolest girl I've ever met. Like, I remember when I first met her, I was like, oh my God, like, who is this person? Like, she's just chill, down, fun. Like, and you're kind of the same. So like, I instantly was like, oh, I like her. Love that. <laughs> okay. So before we get into kind of the content, I want to play a game. Okay. Yeah. I've never done this with a guest before. <laughs> uh, maybe once. Really can't remember. And I don't know what that says about me, but... Regular listener, listeners of the podcast will remember these questions from episode two, I believe. Um, so I'm going to ask you three questions, and then I'll tell you what they mean. Um, what is an animal that you admire and why? Well, the obvious. <laughs> I love animals and horses since mm-hmm. the beginning of time for me. They're just so magical, mm-hmm. beautiful, sentient beings, mm-hmm. and I just feel in their presence mm-hmm. like they see my soul mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah great answer um number two what is an article of clothing that, like what's your favorite article of clothing and why try to give three reasons I love dresses. I wear dresses all the time. I'm not a shorts girl. So Mm -hmm. nearly every day in the summer, spring, you'll see me in a dress. It just makes me feel like myself. Mm -hmm. Super. I feel like it's feminine. It's flowy. It allows me to just feel less constricted. I think I spent so long in corporate America wearing a power suit that mm-hmm. wasn't me mm-hmm. and was like discouraged to wear dresses because I worked in a male dominated environment. And mm-hmm. I literally had that advice that I'm like, no, I'm going to yeah. wear dresses even if I'm just going to Dwayne Reed today. <laughs> I love that. Oof. Okay. Yeah. And the last question, what is your favorite body of water? And I put that in quotes mm. because it could be like a traditional body of water, like an ocean, a lake, a pond, whatever. Or it could be like a bathtub or a swimming pool or a hot tub or a glass of water that you drink. Anything, just pick your favorite and three reasons why. I would say the ocean. Okay. I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up on Long Island and just always having had the opportunity to be surrounded by water. It was always I'm a water sign mm-hmm. as well. So having water near me, I feel like this, it just soothes me. It's mm. a meditation in itself, just going there and looking at the ocean. And I live on the east side now, so I'll just go over to the East River and mm. get that mm-hmm. fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love those. So I'll tell you what it means. Um, and 
I don't actually have verification if this is real. I heard it somewhere and I just adopted it and I have never found it to not click. So allegedly, these are Carl Jung's questions that tap into your subconscious. Mm. So the first one, the animal that you admire symbolizes how you actually subconsciously view yourself. Oh, cool. So like, yeah, what was it? Majestic. I, majestic. And just like feel. And I do feel that way. Like when I really connect to someone, I can see. Yeah. I can see who someone is without yes. the ego. Yeah. You know, and that's what I really try to connect to, even if someone's ego is getting in the yeah. way of our yeah. connection. Right. Yeah. 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 That seems so oh, fitting. I love that. Yeah. The second question, the article of clothing is how other people see you. Ooh. Feminine, flowy. I see it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that feels good to hear. <laughs> and then the last one, the body of water, is your subconscious views about sex, which Ooh. I love. Meditative. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like almost like a spiritual connection with oh, sexuality, yeah. which yeah. I it's like the most spiritual experience. Right. It can the most right experience so okay so while we're here i'm just going to transition into this because i've long been fascinated by the connection between sexuality and spirituality Mm. and i know that you have a background in kundalini so let's just talk about kundalini for a bit what exactly is kundalini yoga yeah so kundalini yoga is called the yoga of awareness Mm -hmm. and it utilizes mantra breath work and movement Mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. Uh, and it's different than other forms of yoga in the sense that the majority of it will be done with your eyes closed unless mm-hmm. otherwise noted and mm-hmm. that really was a big drawing point for me because I had studied yoga for years prior to discovering kundalini and you know everyone was always looking in the mirror trying to get their headstand mm-hmm. right and there's nothing wrong with that but there was something that didn't feel so spiritual about it mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. and so when I discovered kundalini I was able to meditate for the first time through the breath work mm-hmm. because I had this, you know, typical New York neurotic mind that right, could not shut course. down through like a Vipassana type meditation. And so it works with the Kundalini energy that sits at the base of our spine and through Kriyas as they're called, which is different yoga sets, mm-hmm. utilizing chanting and movement and breath work. You're able to awaken that Kundalini energy that resides in all of us and really step into your highest self, awakening mm-hmm. your highest self and dissolving, I wouldn't say dissolving ego because I want to be careful with that because even in those teachings, they will say our, our ego is important. It's right. here to inform us. Mm-hmm. So it's not about getting rid of it, but setting it aside so that it's not running the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. love that. And what's the connection between wearing white and kundalini? Yeah, that's a great question. And we're both all in white. (laughs) Not planned. In a very white room. In a very white room. So they say in the teachings of kundalini yoga that wearing all white and linen at that will Mm. expand your auric field. Mm, Okay. Now... Whether that's true or not true, all I could say is that it makes me feel really good when Mm -hmm. I wear all white. I do feel more expanded in neutrals and white. So that's something that I've just been drawn towards Mm -hmm. 
since um, studying it the past number of years. And mm-hmm. I think we were talking a little bit before yeah. and you were saying the same. The same exact thing. I would say ever since... Oh, well, okay. I started meditating every day June of 2016. Okay. Yeah. No, 17. 17. June of 2017 is like since then I've not missed a day. And that's when I started becoming more and more interested in spirituality. And then I would say it really took off like beginning of 2019. That's kind of when I found a lot of like you know, friends in what I like to call the woo-woo circles. I mean it like non-condescendingly here and like was doing, you know, Lacey Phillips's mm-hmm. work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Made a lot of those friends. Um, throughout that period, I've become more and more drawn to whites and neutrals, like on me, in my home. Like when I just think of like my favorite color palette it is like the whites and the creams, like up until like a camel, maybe like that's yeah. just off. Yeah. I, but I was yeah. really resistant towards dressing lighter. So it just naturally happened? Do, or what do I, you like, think shifted it? I started really being drawn to it like around 2017, but like really wasn't dressing like this. I don't know. It's been a very gradual transition for me. Yeah. Like it's, really, it's really gradual. It's almost like the more you awaken your spiritual body, it the evolution just happened. It's yeah. not like a conscious thought. And then I do think like the wearing of the black almost in a weird way symbolizes like a bit of like the shadow and a yeah. bit of like my like resistance to it. Cause you do like when you go through that, you do have that resistance where part of you is like, no, I don't want to change. No, I don't want to change. Like this is what I'm comfortable with. Even if it sucks, this is what I'm comfortable with. Absolutely. So it's that ego death. And it's yeah. also like, if you think about it, we often can use black to hide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So if that's just, you know, not wanting to draw attention to ourselves, you know, so that's yeah. like that shadow piece as well. Absolutely. And yeah, what I've done a lot of throughout my life is hiding, particularly hiding like who I authentically am mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. putting on other personas of other people. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Now, while we're on Kundalini, I also want to touch on um, Yogi Banjan. Mm-hmm. What is the, all I know is like sexual abuse. That's literally all I know. So yeah. So Yogi Banjan was the founder of Kundalini Yoga. He brought Kundalini teachings from India to the United States in the late 60s. And, you know, for me. Wait, can I backtrack one yeah. second? Is he Indian? Yes. Okay. Yes, he's Indian. Um, You know, for me, I never idolized the founder of Kundalini Yoga. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. had read about Kundalini Yoga. I wanted to try something new. I went to a class. I had the most profound awakening during that class with my eyes closed doing breath work that I was like, I'm going to just keep coming back. Mm -hmm, I'm mm going to keep coming back. And then, of course, over time, as I became a teacher and started taking these trainings, I learned more about it. And there were some things that never really sat right with me. It -hmm. felt a little dogmatic. And Mm -hmm. I tend to be... I have an Aquarius moon, so I tend to be like, oh, those are the rules? Well, how can we break them? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyways, even when I began teaching, I'm like, I don't want to wear the turban. I want to wear ripped jeans and, you know, a white Mm -hmm. top if that's what I feel like wearing. So unfortunately, with all that being said, 
most recently in the past two years, the, you know, information has come out about not just one sexual abuse case, but a series of sexual abuse cases that took mm. place over a number of years mm -hmm. with students and um, just really horrific. And that really put a split in the community. Um, a lot of studios closed. A lot of people mm. that I admire, that I studied under, stopped teaching. I myself, I never really identified as a kundalini teacher, although I taught classes and workshops. Mm. I felt like it was something that had had such a profound effect on my own spiritual awakening that I wanted to share it. But like mm -hmm. I said, I didn't feel comfortable sharing it in the dogmatic way that you're taught in teacher training. Mm -hmm. So I myself had to take during that time that the scandal came out and I, you know, sat there and read, you know, the case and, and all the stories that were coming to light, the people that were coming forward after 30 some odd years of, mm -hmm. you know, holding this in and the abuse that they suffered, I couldn't practice. Right. I, I, I just was like, I felt a sense of betrayal. Like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, mm -hmm. this had such a profound effect on my life. Yet, what does that mean? This is the least spiritual thing that you could do. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of that, right? Like Wild Wild Country. I don't know if you've seen that documentary on Osho. And so it's... I've seen the documentary on Bikram. Yeah, I didn't. I was like, I can't. <laughs> I've like, done like so a decent amount of Bikram yoga. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Like, yeah. 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 So it's hard. I, you know, I still really value the experience that I had. Mm -hmm. And I love my teacher, Guru Dharam, who is an amazing man of integrity and knew Yogi Bhajan and spoke out on it. And I have so much respect for people mm. that grew up in that era and are able to speak out on it. But um, I can't teach, quote unquote, Kundalini, like quoting this man that right. was not in integrity with himself and really was, while he had a lot of genius, mm -hmm. he also was doing something out of spiritual ego, mm -hmm. which we see a lot. You know, he is one of many in this, I think, awakening that we're, the collective is going under where a lot of people in different sectors are being exposed. Mm -hmm. And that is sort of crumbling down and people are seeing things for what they are. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's not even limited to like new age spiritualism. Right. Like we Catholic priests. I mean, God, like it's yeah. It's just like <laughs> intersection of religion mm -hmm. and sexual abuse seems to well, be strong. Like anytime <laughs> there's power, yes, there's an abuse of power. So it's almost impossible to form something, an institution, without there being an abuse of power. So whether mm -hmm. that's an educational system, whether that is a religious community, whether that is a corporation, mm -hmm. there's always the shadow to anything that we do. Right. So we can't, again, it's like you can't avoid the shadow, but now I think we're moving towards an era where we're able to see things clearer versus mm -hmm. sweeping it under the rug. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen that. I mean, if you go on Netflix, I don't know if you did a binge on all the, you know, inventing Anna and, you know, uh, what was the... Um, the vegan uh, about pure food oh and God, wine, bad vegan, oh, bad vegan so bad, yeah. and it's like I'm like, wait, why is it? 
every good show out right now about embezzlement and fraud. Yeah. But it, it, I see this trend the past few years where everything's being exposed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And even people who complain about like cancel culture and stuff, which I get, I really do mm, get. Like yeah. I do think we have gone overboard in certain extents and I don't think we should be like taking away people's entire livelihoods for one mistake. I think it's like so much more useful to grow and learn and teach together. Nevertheless, I do think cancel culture, like I'll take cancel culture because it means that we're so much more aware of these injustices Mm. and want to right them. And like, maybe are we going a bit too far? Sure. But I think that's just the way the pendulum swings until it kind of like levels out a bit. But you know, I, I, I do think it's so encouraging. Like it's so cool that we see someone who has like sexually abused someone or, you know, has like done racist things. And we're like, Ooh, no, we don't like that. Cause for the longest time we're like, yeah we'll look yeah. the other way yeah and it's important that we I think what's important is that we have a conversation about it exactly that it's not just condemning and like moving on like let's actually have a conversation about why this is so hurtful mm-hmm. and what is the person's response to that mm-hmm. and is it you know performative or is it actually yeah. like ooh, how can I yeah you know yeah. come you know. one of my favorite reality stars was um fired because some like racist things she had done in the past and just like super, super ignorant things she had Mm. done came to light. And this was like June of 2020. So, I mean, it was, it was just a a really bad time for that to come to light. And she got, I mean, she was canceled, 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 Mm. like fired off of the show. Um, All of her podcast sponsors dropped out. Then her podcast host dropped out. Then like, I mean, canceled, canceled, as canceled as you could be. And she took a really long period of time and was like very silent. She hired a diversity coach Mm. and she really like educated herself on what exactly she did wrong. Wow. And she, I mean, she was just silent and very inwards and was like, you know what? I'm pregnant. Like I need to learn what the problem was here because on the face of it like and it would it would have been so easy for her to just get defensive and be like my actions weren't racially motivated and Mm. like she finally learned she's like okay just because my actions weren't racially motivated to me doesn't mean that the recipient felt it that way and like that's actually what matters and it's really cool to see that transformation and that's what i wish we saw more of in the world like people really just trying to learn and grow together. And I think we're so quick to label people as bad people or good people. And I don't really believe in these labels. I think we're all just kind of acting on. Yeah, we're all learning and we're all acting on our own trauma. It's so true. I've done terrible things. I don't think I'm a terrible person. I think I'm just acting on my own level of trauma, you know, and I'm learning and growing. And I'm glad that a lot of the terrible things I've done weren't in the public eye. Absolutely. And I mean, it would have been easy for her, and I don't know who this is, but it would have been easy for her also to have like a blanket PR statement Mm -hmm. or to, but no, to actually do the internal work Mm -hmm. to want to understand the impact you have on other people because there's always our experience, but then it's how other people experience us. Mm -hmm. And while you can't go too far with that either, because then that would 
go into extreme people pleasing and codependent behavior. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, it's like always finding like the golden middle, I call it. Always finding this golden middle of like, okay. I love that term. Like I yeah. always say, I think it's all about balance, but golden middle is the right term because balance is like a more loaded term that means a lot of different things. Yeah. But that's what it is. It's like, no matter where the pendulum swings, when you're at the extremes, I think they're both symptoms of the same thing. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. They you are. know, like I always say this, like we know this about codependency, right? Like people who are hyper, hyper independent, that's just a form of codependency. But I say this about like people pleasing. Like mm-hmm. I know people who actively try to be contrarian or like almost, I call it people displeased. I think that's just another form of people pleasing. You know, like I, I think like you really have to find the golden middle with mm-hmm. everything. Absolutely. I love that phrase. Yeah. Take okay. It. So we're actually here to talk about equine therapy, not like I don't but even there's know so how much we to got talk here. About. Yeah. yeah, I love it all. So. Um, so before we get into what exactly that is, can you just tell us about your background? Yeah, so I'm a native New Yorker I'm from Long Island originally. And my professional background was in coaching and facilitation for luxury luxury automotive manufacturers. Well, prior to that, I'm one of those people that's had nine lives. So mm-hmm. I started out as a creative, did some modeling and acting, and then transitioned into facilitation and coaching for luxury automotive manufacturers. And it was around the time that I landed what I thought was my dream job with Audi of America that I discovered mm-hmm. Kundalini yoga and had a spiritual awakening and was like, this is not my dream job. It's my ego's dream job. Mm -hmm. And that really sent me down the path of further self-discovery, I'd say, because I've always been very mystical, Mm -hmm. drawn to all the things, even, you know, as a child was like into astrology and questioning and comparative religion, much to my parents, like, okay, how do we get this kid? (laughs) (laughs) So that led me to going to coaching school, going to NYU to get my coaching certification. Um, At the time I was also teaching equine therapy to special needs. And Mm -hmm. I always had this long-term vision of combining my coaching background with my lifelong passion and experience with horses and bringing this healing modality to everyone, Mm -hmm. to everyone to experience. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to where I am now. So I love that. I love when people are able to marry a skill set that they have with their like vision of how their life wants to be and also just a passion Mm -hmm. yeah like like we were talking before we started recording about my friend Susanna who's been on this podcast who does the aura styling and it's just such like you've never really heard of it you know and she's just into fashion and she has this uh, ability to see auras and she's like wait there's like such an interesting overlap here like same with equine therapy like how fascinating yeah it just took a really long time to get where I started Yeah, but yeah, like, no, like my four-year-old self knew. But yeah. then you have to go through all these but different... But yeah, you do have to you go do through have to, all those well. things. You have it's to. funny how divine timing works, right? Like Absolutely. you had to pick up all these various skills along the way. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so what is equine therapy? <laughs> so what is equine therapy? So equine therapy is building a relationship so it works on many different levels Mm -hmm. um both physically mentally emotionally and I would say spiritually Mm -hmm. 
on the four bodies and it could be used as a healing modality to build trust authenticity nonverbal communication mm-hmm. um for reprocessing trauma ptsd mm. i mean so so many different healing modalities so it's a pretty umbrella term in terms of what equine therapy is like i said previous um to doing what i do now which is equine facilitated learning and psychotherapy i worked with children and adults with special needs Mm -hmm. so that is one you know form of equine therapy but that's not to say you know, when people say, well, who is it really for? Is it only for people with special needs? Absolutely not. It mm-hmm. is for anyone because we all have a need to work on ourselves and to understand ourselves better, to understand our relationships better. And that's where equine therapy can really, I would say, accelerate our ability to, to relate mm-hmm. is essentially what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before you, I had only ever heard of it in context of um, sexual abuse victims. Why is it that equine therapy is helpful for that? Yeah, I think I know why maybe you heard it on a podcast or um, had read about it. And yeah, so you'll often hear about it for PTSD in general, Mm, a lot of times with veterans. We have, I've worked with a lot of veterans And the reason it's great for PTSD in general is because much like EMDR, if you're familiar with EMDR therapy, it uses by horses naturally, their gait uses bilateral stimulation. So even if you're going on your average trail ride and you don't have a psychotherapist there, a facilitator there to be guiding you through it, whether you know it or not, mm-hmm. it's working on your emotional and mental body mm-hmm. with that bilateral stimulation mm-hmm. even more than your physical body. You might just think you're on a trail ride. Mm. So when you combine that, they even have EMDR, equine-assisted therapy, right. where you can reprocess trauma on a horse. But what I've found with people that have you know, suffered from trauma and, you know, veterans is that, you know, horses are just so beautiful because they meet you where you're at Mm -hmm. and a horse's brain, they are a prey animal. So it is actually similar to a human's brain that has been under trauma. Mm -hmm. So a horse can meet a human with PTSD where they're at and, that heightened sensitivity from the equine allows somebody who is in their own hypervigilant state to come down and start to regulate Mm -hmm. their nervous system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. You do this in Long Island? Yeah. Right now I'm working out of Long Island, um, close to where I grew up riding, which is just really like a beautiful homecoming experience Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. myself too. You know, who knew that all those years later it would go from one world, which I grew up in, which was show jumping and competing and very much um, a a different form Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of relating to a horse to then having this opportunity to work with people really on the relationship building and the connection. Mm -hmm. Um, But retreats, 
to be coming in the future mm-hmm. and places to be determined. So okay. I, uh, you know, we can talk a little bit about how to connect to that later. But yeah, 40 minutes outside of New York City. So really, really wow. accessible. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now I have a self-serving question. So I'm vegan. I have never ridden a horse. And like, do horses like to be ridden? Is that the That's word? a great ridden? question. <laughs> is that even the right word? That is know. a great yeah. question. Yeah. So in the something that I practice is natural horsemanship. Mm, okay. So there are two ways of relating to a horse and something that never really sat right with me in even the world that I grew up in was you control your horse. Okay. You show him who's boss. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, mm, you know, like take out the spurs, take out the whip. And I just like, as a sensitive, hypersensitive child, like it didn't feel right for me. And so what natural horsemanship, it's about getting consent Okay. From the horse. Mm -hmm. So this past weekend, I was actually in Asheville, North Carolina, working um, with horses there. And I rode without a bridle, without a halter, without a saddle Mm -hmm. for the first time Mm -hmm. in my whole riding career and with the consent from the horse. So Mm -hmm. that is something that I teach and I work with for someone who has no horse experience. Mm -hmm. For example, haltering with connection. What's the difference between putting a halter on your horse? You can even practice this with your dog. I don't know if your dog runs away when you take out the harness, mine does. Uh, But what would it look like to have your animal choose to consent? to what you're asking for versus saying, we have to get this done now. And then how does that relate to our other relationships? Is it like, put on your backpack, we got to go to school to your kids? Is it like, how are we relating to all our relationships in our life? So I love that question because you're absolutely right. And yes, when there is an established connection, a lot of work, they love to work and they love that connection and they will do anything for you know, they're human for the person that's riding Mm. them. But of course you can tell, like you can tell when a horse is not being treated right and is not happy. And that just breaks my heart, you know? Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. Cause there's obviously a big difference between this and like the Kentucky Derby. Right. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I posted a video on that after because they, um, they had someone ride up next to the winner and the horse was just, his adrenaline mm. was jumping and they were trying to get control by pulling the reins in the bra. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is everything that's wrong about horsemanship. Mm. And what would it look like to take the time to actually connect to what the horse is communicating? Right. They have no problem communicating with us. Right. Just because right. they can't speak doesn't mean they're not communicating. They're not communicating. So, Yeah. Uh, Okay, I want to talk about this because, I mean, I guess this must be such a good way of learning to connect to yourself and to other people because you're right. Like, I mean, I'm just thinking about my dog. Like, my dog doesn't know how to talk, but I know so much of what goes on with her just because I now know how to tune in to her nonverbal cues Mm -hmm. and to her, just her jet 
general energy and she with me too you know like she can sense when I'm upset or whatever she's actually a joke that my dog is very um she's like very not codependent and if I'm upset like she will leave the room because she's (laughs) like I'm not getting entangled in this energy like you sort she has really strong boundaries (laughs) very strong boundaries she's like nope not here for this I'm not taking that on (laughs) that is a you problem when you're in a better spirit we can hang out again I love that. <laughs> it's really cute. But that must be such like a useful tool. Like I, is it like, I guess when you're learning to read a horse, like you must learn so much about your own intuition, right? Absolutely. Because it's, it's really the only way mm-hmm. is to attune yourself. A horse is no different than any other mm-hmm. being. And horses demand that you be in your true feelings. Mm -hmm. they will either connect with you, they will resist you, or they will ignore you. Mm. And so with the work that I do, we're striving for for connection. Mm -hmm. And then we're also striving, we work with attachment theory, for detachment from a distance with connection as well. So not just this avoidance where the horse goes off, but you can keep a connection with someone when they're no longer in the room, when they're no longer in the country, when they're no longer in this physical form. Yet, if we have this anxious attachment with our animal Mm -hmm. or in any of our relationships, then that translates when they're not with us. So it gets really deep in the arena and then just profound shifts that happen out of the arena because we could take this back to all of our relationships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's funny. I was going to bring up attachment styles because a large portion of the listener base, I think, comes to this podcast because of my own story of being so anxiously attached yeah. and kind of working through that largely. And I wouldn't even say... I like I was more like a fearful avoidant, right? Mm. I had like the avoidant tendencies and the anxious tendencies. And as you're talking, I'm like playing it out with my dog. Yes. Yeah. I, your I dogs are beautiful it. teachers. Yeah. And like I remember uh, like a couple years ago being like, wow, Sam is so much more affectionate with me than she used to be. And she's so much more Mm. loving. And like, I like over time see she's becoming more and more like healthily attached to me, like really like, and then I was thinking about it and I was like, she's only reflecting back to me what I'm giving her. And like, she really like as an animal has taught me to like open my heart and Uh. taught me how to love, but it must be just so much more profound in that setting, like a with a you know someone who has the expertise and can facilitate it, but also horses are different from dogs, right? Like, I mean, with a dog, it's a little different because like her well being depends on me. So right, <laughs> there's there's a bit of a she sleeps in bed with yeah. you. You're with each other twenty four seven. All the work that I do with horses and I teach with horses can be taught with canines Mm. it really can be with any animal so that's Mm -hmm. really beautiful and I love that you notice that shift because my dog I often tell people he's more like a horse than a dog and he very much gives people that energy I had uh, a neighbor that had really like anxious almost like a desperate energy and she just and he would just bark at her and run in the other direction Mm. and I told her he doesn't like forward energy is how mm-hmm. I described it. And I told her how to stand and to shift her hips and, you know, and to loosen wow. up. He runs up to her now. 
Wow. And she couldn't believe it. And she goes, does this work with people? Can you come on a date with me and be in the back? <laughs> like, just take everything you learned with the dog and get out on a date. But it's true. It's just that animals rely on their instincts for survival. Mm-hmm. And we used to at some point right. too. And part of meditation is to take us back there. So mm-hmm. animals are really, I always say they're teaching us where we're going. Mm. they're giving they're already at the spiritual you know yeah evolution that we're trying to peel away all the layers yeah to get to to see things as they are and animals do see things as they are and right yeah so it's just so beautiful how they could be our teachers in that way oh my god I love that I say this which is so much more crude than what you just said <laughs> I always say humans are the dumbest animal <laughs> And it's because I think we're so disconnected from our nature. Like no other animal does this. Like no other animal is just like needlessly killing its peers, like literally for no reason. Like Mm. no other animal is like do actively doing things that's bad for its body. Mm. You know, like we're the only, like we're so disconnected from our nature and other animals are just so in tune with their instincts and their intuition. And like, we really kids too, like we just, we really should be learning from them. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I just feel like, you know, why this work quote unquote works Mm -hmm. is because the more attuned you can be to an animal sensitivity, it attunes you to your own sensitivity and therefore the sensitivity of humanity at large. Mm -hmm. And it's one of, yeah, the most accelerated ways of discovering that within yourself, I feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, in equine therapy, do people get on the horse? Both. So I know a lot of people, like for example... I've done a lot of work lately that's quote unquote groundwork, mm-hmm. never mounted. Mm-hmm. And so much can be taught in that way through grooming the horse, getting a horse. Can your horse pick up his hoof for you? Mm-hmm. Um, a horse is a herd animal. They will feel your dominance. And, you know, the goal is not to get a horse to submit to you. Again, mm-hmm. it's to get that you want to build that relationship in the way that we're teaching it for them to give you consent. So, mm-hmm. so much can be taught without ever having to get on the horse. But then, of course, when you do get to that point, there's so much to be learned in having a horse carry you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus you, quote unquote, riding the horse. Like, so what is, I always say with anything that we do, even if it's meditation, even if it's spirituality, personal growth and work, what is the energy behind that? Because if the intention is so self-serving, then you're riding the horse and you're disassociated from what's really, or are you truly building a connection and a relationship in that feedback where you become one? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the same with any partnership that we have in our life. Are we so self-absorbed in our relationship that we're not attuned to our partner's needs? And then we see why relationships often, you know, mm-hmm. one person feels unseen, unheard, you know, whether it's in business, whether it's in romantic. So um, really having that experience, like I was referencing before, that I had this weekend of letting the horse carry me no bridle, no halter, no saddle, and no intention of a task other than 
do I trust you mm-hmm. in this moment? And do you trust me mm-hmm. in this moment? And how powerful that is. It's really wow. experiential. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Okay, I have a quick unrelated question. I don't know why last night when my boyfriend and I were laying in bed, we were talking about this. Really couldn't tell you how it came up. <laughs> Are horseshoes painful to the horse? And like, why do we do that? Yeah, so (laughs) it's like a good question. Yeah. (laughs) Could not tell you why we were talking about this, but I was like, it just feels inhumane to nail something into the foot of an animal. And he's like, but their hooves wear down otherwise. And I was like, well, but then why are we working them that hard? Yeah, but at the same time, like, Okay, so 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 many things go into that. Like, where are we riding the horse? Uh-huh. Like, even if they didn't have, um, they would, you know, unless they're in a field mm-hmm. somewhere and they're running in the wild, like they are going to need that care. Okay, right. So it's just like your dog is going to need different care mm-hmm. being in a domesticated animal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than a wolf would need. Out okay. in the wilderness, right? Same with cats and so forth. So, I mean, I guess the only, the horses, you know, they're resilient animals. And um, part of the work I do is like you can see when a horse is stressed. And that's part of the natural horsemanship mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. to release and not force anything that is uncomfortable. But of course, with anything else, um, like there are going to be moments of discomfort when the vet comes and, you know, is giving shots and so forth. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen, I haven't seen too much distress with, you know, um, when the farrier comes and, um, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. It, it's so unrelated. <laughs> I just remembered and I was like, wait, we have a horse expert here. We yeah, can just yeah, settle yeah. this right now. Cause I mean, I I'm really... like, I feel like the horse is the one who needs to answer yeah. that one of how painful it is. But yeah. So that's part of what we go through is how to read a horse, how to read their behavior, mm-hmm. how to read their nonverbal cues. You know, there are some basics, but are those always true? Like when mm-hmm. a horse's, you know, ears are pinned back, they're not happy. Mm-hmm. But we have to also pay attention to the rest of their body. Is their tail swishing? How are their nostrils flaring? I mean, you become so attuned to what the horse is communicating that you're, like you were saying with your dog, you're able to read their language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a really beautiful thing. And and then you can meet the horse where they're at and give them the, the comfort that they need versus mm-hmm. I'm going to ignore all this and... You know, that's something that, like, would always get me, even growing up, people would have, you know, multiple horses, but they weren't attuned, and they wouldn't even know when their horse was lame, you Mm -hmm. know, when the horse is, and I'm like, how do you not know that? That's, like, a basic. Wait, what does it mean for a horse to be lame? So (laughs) when their leg is lame, and they're dragging their leg, and, you know, it means that they're, something's wrong, and they're going to need to be, you know, on rest because their leg Mm -hmm. is not performing Mm -hmm. and for people not to notice that whether they're riding the horse or they're even lunging their horse around the ring or giving the horse a walk and to not even be attuned enough to like a primary need and something that anyone who's around horses should recognize right that's always interesting it just shows our disconnect 
Right. Right. So it's the difference again between going out there and you can say, you know, I'm an equestrian, I'm a horse person, but are you really attuned? Right. It seems to come full circle to that whole ego conversation, mm-hmm. right? Is it like, do you just want to be an equestrian because yeah. like it's bougie and whatever yeah, yeah. and there's cute clothes? And- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or like, are you actually, yeah, doing this with the horse? Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I should have asked this earlier. What is the inner collective? Uh, yes. <laughs> so the inner collective was first started um, during the pandemic. So during the Mm -hmm. pandemic, I had had a calling for such a long time to do a group coaching program with women Mm -hmm. and to do it in a way that felt like a really safe container where people could have this self exploration, but also share in a a collective of women who they could learn from. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where I just kept putting it off and putting it off. And then during those first weeks of the pandemic, it was like, you need to do this now. But my ego was getting in the way. Well, no, and it's like, no, this is not for you. Mm -hmm. So that was the first iteration of it. And it ran for one year Mm -hmm. weekly online. I started out daily (laughs) and then went weekly and then Mm -hmm. it went monthly and we ran it for a year and it was just such a beautiful container. But what it has morphed into is really what the inner collective means for me. And what that is, is, you know, these aspects of self. Mm -hmm. So we all have an inner collective of parts, you know, our ego, our genius, you know, we have our fighter inside, we have our highest self, there's all these different aspects of self. And when you can discover the inner collective within and relate to it and accept it, it's when you're living in harmony versus putting the parts that you don't want anyone to see Mm-hmm. and at any cost trying to keep it you know out of sight and that's what causes this disharmony within and horses i feel our relationship they're able to access those parts and respond to our inner collective mm-hmm. and then when we also think about horses are herd animals and they have their own inner collective when they're in their herd so mm-hmm. it all sort of ties in together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you still offering group coaching? Yeah. So right now I've mainly, after um, closing that container of the inner collective, I closed group, moved into doing retreats. I've done mm-hmm. two retreats this year and working individually with clients. Mm-hmm. And now that the equine therapy is getting, you know, ramping up, um, bringing back group because I feel it is needed and having these experiences both online and in person Mm -hmm. is so beautiful Mm -hmm. and that's really what I've been craving and that's why I had to close that container and sort of take a break for a moment because it was so needed during that time yeah but I really just feel like we're all we want to be in person like this doing this together in person is amazing yeah it would have been so easy for us to be like oh upper east side try back like too Mm -hmm. far Mm-hmm. You know, we get into this like rut of like staying in our neighborhood. Why? You know? Yeah. So group coming soon in fall. I'm going to start it back up again. In person. Hybrid. Okay. Yes. 
Okay. Yes. So so in person with the horses mm-hmm. and then always having an online component, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what does the online component involve? Um, well, with the first iteration with it, it was workshops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love doing it live. It can be right now. I have the inner collective digital on my website, which is a membership. And I have a number of breath work videos on there and setups and also prompted journal writing as mm-hmm. a way to, mm-hmm. I wanted to give you know, my clients in between sessions Mm -hmm. to have an opportunity to tap in to some of the work that we do in session or on a retreat or at a workshop. So there's the intercollective digital, Mm -hmm. but I love leading live workshops. And there's something about the energy when we all come together, that's just a little bit different than if you were to watch, you'll still get the benefits, the recording of a live workshop, like, you know, on your own, Mm -hmm. not quite the same, but it's sometimes hard to get all the time zones and all the, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. clients across the world. So it's, um, yeah, but it's nice to ha- have the online component because then we can connect yeah. worldwide versus yeah. how many of us can get out to a retreat at the same time or get out to Long Island. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you? They can go to my website, CourtneyClifford.com. On Instagram, it's at Courtney M, as in Mary, mm-hmm. Clifford. And yeah, those are the two best ways to connect with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I have a lot of offering. Right now, taking on a select number of one-on-one clients to work virtually through coaching. And then, of course, um, some new offerings starting up in the fall with the group coaching and working out on Long Island. And then I have the digital inner collective membership if you want to just breathe together anytime, anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe we have a retreat in the works. I know. Look out for the blush equine retreat. All white. Yeah. <laughs> All white horses. Maybe yeah. plant medicine. No, yeah. Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> we'll see. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much. This thank has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Would love to have you back sometime. Um, more in-person stuff, just in general. I love it. Let's do it. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone who you think would take something from it. Rate, review, subscribe. You guys know the drill. Look up Courtney. Love you guys. Talk to you next week.